Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, you've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast with Liz and Matt. Today we're talking about David Montgomery and Miles Sanders finally showing up. Latavius Murray's second straight awesome game and the sad, sad Cardinals backfield. The Titans wide receivers are who we thought they were. Danny Dimes is not who you thought he was because he is your QB1 of the week. And hey, maybe the Ty Johnson era, it's not here to stay. Matt Schaub is very confident, but the Falcons are still bad. Emmanuel Sanders and the 49ers go nuclear on the Panthers. J.J. Watt is done for the year, but could that lead to some Minshew magic in Week 9? And so much more. Listen away. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Matt Harmon is here. Brett Rader is here. It is Week 8. We are at the halfway point of the 2019 NFL season. Matt, are you excited? Hell yeah. There's so much to be interested in with football. It keeps me stimulated all the time. And, you know, I think it is uh, it's a privilege to get to cover this league professionally. Got that out just for our boss. You know who else was uh, stimulated today by a particular performance? Oh, God. Who? Our colleague, Brad Evans, because finally... It's, I was really worried about Brad's energy level, so... David Montgomery had himself a game. Let's talk about him first because there's another rookie running back that also put up some numbers. I think you have a family member who's very excited about that performance. Don't roll your eyes. She's the best thing about the Harmon. I like her more than you, and I never even met her. Well, there's really no need to dig into that. Okay. Well, let's start with David Montgomery. He was fed the ball, 27 carries for 135 yards and a rushing touchdown. This was the first time he saw... Over 20 carries since week four versus Minnesota. I'm going to ask you first, do you think this is legitimate? And also, let's look into the future because that's kind of our job. He is facing the Eagles next week. Obviously, a team with a rather staunch run defense. Yeah, they've really only had one bad game against the run, and that was against Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys. David Montgomery, yeah, 55-yard run, which is, of course, going to boost the rest of it, but obviously a ton else to go with it. Get loose. Yeah, and it's tough to say whether, I mean, is this legitimate? Yeah, he has looked pretty good all year. I mean, I don't think he looks like a stud or anything, but this is what's going to happen when you're a pretty solid back and you go against the damn Chargers, who are terrible and haven't been able to tackle all year. 
they're pretty weak on the defensive line, especially in terms of, like, run stuffers. Obviously, they have good pass rushers. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that. And they did get one of them back this week. Yes, they got Melvin Ingram back. And overall, this was a low-scoring, slow-paced game. And that's going to be very good, a conducive environment for running the football. I also think that perhaps, now heading into this game, Matt Nagy did say, okay, okay, I hear you. I understand. I've read the suggestions in the suggestion box. I'm going to give David Montgomery more opportunities. He did keep to that. And I have to imagine that part of that, though, is because this Mitch Trubisky experiment is... (sighs) ending. It is over. The writing is on the wall. And now you see Matt Nagy at first at the top of the year, right? There were all of these creative plays. In fact, the note against Nagy, right, was that he was like two inside of his head and trying to make Javon Wims a thing. And you got Corderell Patterson in there doing wild. And but now you have a situation where you're like, we we cannot rely, no matter how creative I get, no matter what weapons I surround him with, I cannot rely on the quarterback that Ryan Pace traded up for, not that I'm bitter, and instead, we're going to have to be one of those teams that's forced to establish the run because that is how we are most likely going to win a game. Yeah, it's unfortunate because I think it's the mark of a good coach that you look for ways to adjust and you look for different ways to win. It's just it's been so clear for a long time now that it wasn't going to come through the passing game. I don't know if the Bears have this performance in them every week, especially because I don't think they have the offensive line or really the defense anymore at this point. I mean, I think their defense is, is good, but they're not like 2018 Bears game-changing defense good. It, it's just, And it's we said this all offseason. It's rare to repeat that type of effort. So... I don't know if they have this performance in them every week to mask the quarterback and give your, you know, give yourself uh, 27 carries to your running back. And, you know, by the way, they still lost this game. So, like, as much as they might have found a solution and, like, maybe that can help them win games further, it wasn't enough to, to get a win. And we know how coaches can be very myopic in their thinking. I do think from a fantasy perspective, though, there is going to be a volume boost for Montgomery. Next week, as we mentioned, the matchup at Philadelphia is a tough one. But then you've got Detroit. That defense is starting to take a downward spiral. Then we're at the Rams. The Rams got lit up by the run today. Then they're at then they have the Giants. Then they're at Detroit. I mean, so there are some forgettable matchups after week nine where Montgomery could produce. So if you have been patient or if you want to sell high, maybe now you do it. For some other pieces, if you don't think that he can, because you have to imagine there's going to be many more stack boxes. If, if if we are already talking about this, right, then defenses are going to adjust as well. And they're going to try to stop the run because they're going to try to get Trubisky to throw it. And he can't be dared successfully. We, we know how that works out. Correct. So the other running back I wanted to talk about was Miles Sanders. And this one, as you mentioned, was on your sister's or is on your sister's fantasy squad. She's asked you a question about every week. Every week she wants to play Miles Sanders. I'm like, what do you want to be playing Miles Sanders for? Like, he doesn't doesn't do anything. And then, I mean, she didn't. to be fair, she didn't ask me about him this week. But uh, he goes out and has a really good game against a pretty good Buffalo Bills defense. She texts me in the middle of the game, Miles Sanders, get you some. And uh, she proceeded to say, I think I'm better at your job than you. And I said, well, my job is actually to be good on camera and speak clearly and concisely. And it takes you eight tries to do an Instagram video. So, I mean, I don't know if that's actually true. I would like to maybe have Emily substitute in for you some week. That'd be fun. She's great. Okay. <laughs> She's. I mean, she, I, I, my sister and I have talked about having a fantasy podcast. Should together, we have her actually. call in? 
No, I think a call-in wouldn't do it justice. You got to kind of have it in person. I should be out here uh, for Christmas, though. Okay, well, look for that, dear listener. We've talked about having a podcast, you know, like a sibling on sibling, sort of like she's trying to figure out fantasy, but it's just not really worth doing across the country. There you go. There's the update. You're welcome. Well, Miles Sanders did have a great day, but in terms of opportunities, they were not, oh, let's say, abundant. He only carried the ball three times, but he did have a long 65-yard run, which is why he posted 74 rushing yards and a score via the air. He converted all three of his targets for 44. It was Jordan Howard, however, who carried the ball 23 times, averaged more than four yards per carry with 96 on the ground, plus another touchdown. He also, you know, caught one ball for a couple of yards, 15, I think, through the air. So as we mentioned, the Bears and the Eagles are facing off against each other. And Matt, as you mentioned, the Bears defense has certainly not looked as staunch as it did at the top of the season. I think part of that was the loss of Akeem Hicks, which Mm -hmm. has been severely underestimated when rating these matchups. And in fact, since let's say we lost him in week five, the London game, right? Because he was hurt and he exited, but now he's on IR with the elbow injury. Since week five, the Bears defense has allowed Josh Jacobs to go over for over 150 yards. Then they had a bye. Latavius Murray went over 150 yards. Gordon and Eckler, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, both found the end zone this week. So is there enough here for both Sanders and Howard to produce again in week nine? Assuming, of course, there is a Jordan Howard revenge narrative, but assuming, of (laughs) course, that Howard continues to see the volume and Miles Sanders has a little bit more of that sexy ceiling about him. And I think you made on one of our previous halftime shows a really interesting point about how the Eagles were also trying to find different solutions similarly to the Bears. Yeah, I shoot for interesting every now and again. But yeah, Miles Sanders is thin, as you mentioned, because he's he he got hurt in this game too. Now he said his shoulder's fine, but he's still not going to. I think Howard is still the favorite to lead the backfield sure. and carries and whatever. Obviously, Sanders is going to get the receiving work. But the point I made on the halftime show, and I think is worth talking about. Like I wrote coming into this week or coming out of last week, that the Eagles' offense is really like kind of lost at sea right they don't have answers for pretty much anything they don't really do anything well honestly as a team they don't really do anything well except stopping the run which in 2019 like who gives a shit? you stop the run well it doesn't even matter um the eagles just right now we've, we've said this before but alshon jeffrey's not playing that well and then everyone after him is terrible in the wide receiver core um zach Ertz has kind of had an up and down season but him and dallas goddard are definitely like i think they can swerve to being more of a two tight end offense when Deshaun Watt or Deshaun Jackson comes back, that's great. Um, but you can't really build your entire offense around the presence of a banged up 30 year old receiver. Um, I do wonder too, as they look for more answers, if they do become more of a run focused team, their offensive line hasn't played great in pass protection this year, but they're still a pretty solid run blocking unit. So maybe we see them try to reinvent themselves on the fly here. Again, I think that's what good coaches do. And I, I do think Doug Peterson overall is a good coach. All right. So I think we are saying I I would expect David Montgomery to produce even in a tough matchup because of volume, but he's going to be like a low end RB2 for me next week. Jordan Howard, more of a a high end RB2, I would say. And Miles Sanders, shoulder injury dependent, I'd still take as like a higher ceiling flex. Yeah, volatile RB3 type. Like, I think the good news for Howard and Montgomery is that neither of these passing games are clicking to the point that either team will run away from the other. And I think the pair, the Bears' pass defense is still good enough 
to keep Wentz and company down. Mm-hmm. And then on the Eagle side, they are still good enough from a run defense perspective to keep Montgomery and company down. So I think overall, the sh- that, that close scoring nature of the game makes this uh, w- one that you would run the ball on in. Let's talk about Latavius Murray, who was playing in relief of Alvin Kamara for the second straight week. He put up over 150 total yards again, two touchdowns this week against the Cardinals, which we expected. He was a great price, a great value in DFS. Now, the Saints are going on by, as we all know, in week nine. They're returning to face the Falcons at home in week 10. You have to imagine that Kamara is going to be healthy, but we also have to note, or at least Brett wanted us to, how good Latavius Murray has been in relief of Alvin Kamara. And if you have Latavius Murray, or hmm, and this was a question that was like floated right in the green room, if you are an Alvin Kamara owner, are you trying to buy Murray? Or if you're a Murray owner, are you trying to sell high on him just out of a kind of like a a fear factor situation? Yeah, Latavius Murray stacking two performances on top of each other that Alvin Kamara drafters could only dream of. Like, I hate to say it. Bro, I'm here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm right here. Thank you. I I mean, I hate to say it because I'm one of them, but uh, that's the season it's been so far. Now, Murray's been in two great spots uh, back to back. And of course, it's the return of Drew Brees here. We knew this was going to be a boost to the offensive mm. ceiling. And sure enough, here we are. Um, Latavius Murray, if I had Alvin Kamara on my fantasy team, I don't necessarily feel the need to have Latavius Not Murray. Not Brees coming back, right? Well, I don't think they're going to split work or anything, no. right? But my point is just like, I, in this season, I want to maximize my upside. So if I'm an Alvin Kamara uh, manager, I want to have Alexander Madison on my team because if Cook goes down, then I have two RB ones potentially. Whereas if I have Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara, I'm just getting an RB one. Adding Latavius Murray is simply insurance, but you think that is a it's the weak move. A weak move. You're, it's the floor. You're going for the floor instead of the ceiling. Yeah, and that's not something wolves do. Wolves, baby, wolves. Chase Edmonds. Uh, turned back into not even a sheep but a pumpkin because it's almost halloween <laughs> in this stretch there but i'll take it um after having a monster effort he got hurt in this game and the turnaround though is really quick which is why we're mentioning it because who knows what's up with david johnson yeah the cardinals play the 49ers whose d-line is legit and elite and no one's debating it anymore but on a thursday night so Zach Zenner. We talked about Mm. Zach Zenner on Friday's podcast. Alfred Morris is in the mix there. But, like, I am not messing with a backfield versus San Francisco. Maybe in, like, an RB3 area. But even on a team that excels in rushing yards and rushing production, it's still really tough to want to use that matchup. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, pretty clear. Don't. Don't be playing Zach Center. Don't be playing Alfred Morris. You probably didn't even want to be playing Chase Edmonds against this team. Like, yeah, it's a tough spot. Short week, like you said. No, against the 49ers. I know, like, Christian McCaffrey eventually broke some plays against uh, the 49ers, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Like, I'm, appre- I'm appreciative of I what— I can just imagine people saying— but it's a short week, and re- and running backs have the simplest position, and this defense could be tired, and so maybe there's a spot for Zenner to do something, or Chase Edmonds or more. What if David Johnson's back? Yeah, no, I mean I get it. Look, like it's a it's all running back options are 
that their options, right? If they're going to be living and breathing and playing running back in the NFL, we've got to talk. That's why we talked about Ty frickin Johnson all week. Cause like, and nobody got like a great scouting report on Ty Johnson where they're like, yo, hey, look, like I love I mean, I love the all purpose yards from from Maryland and <laughs> how he was third in team history or anything like that. No one, no one gives a shit about that. But like he was a potential starting running back for an NFL team this week. That's why we talked about him. And yeah, we're going to talk about Zach Zenner and Alfred Morris because they're potential starting running backs for an NFL team. But like what what are you realistically expecting here, too? Because also this Arizona offense talk about talk about people who like I don't only get texts from three people no one texts me i get texts from my girlfriend my sister about her fantasy team and amos lee about his fantasy team and that's it who he's a singer he's a, he's a good friend of mine uh but anyways that's it Does is he on people? dawes is he in dawes he's not in dawes uh okay. unfortunately um that would have been a nice hookup for you though <sighs> believe me yeah i'm um, still trying to work this relationship for something he's playing uh, no i can't say this because he might hear it but i'm still trying to work this relationship for something but anyways love amos but those are the only three people who text me that's it and he texts me every single week about how he really he thinks the Cardinals offense is actually bad and 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 we disagree on this because I think they've got potential but every time they play like a decent looking defense and the Saints obviously have a really good defense the offense looks like trash like they can beat up on a team like the Giants Sorry, but Amos. but they but hey look he's the one who drafted Kyler Murray when I told him not to okay so that's his fault uh and doubled it up with Larry Fitzgerald you stack those Cardinals man this is what's going on you 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 play him against the Saints not a good thing you do certainly want to be playing him on a short week against the 49ers I don't think so well, the math's getting real worked up here I can feel the fire and the energy building so let's just like lighten the mood a little bit and let me remind you Matt that earlier today. Jameis Winston got picked off in the final moments of his game against Tennessee, and you guffawed about it. I mean, it was the funniest look, and Jameis Winston has offered us a lot of options his to choose from. His hair on his jersey was particularly, he just looked so beat. He, that was the funniest interception I've ever seen, because it was so, like, typical of Winston to throw it at that moment. And I know, I know Bruce Arians came up afterwards and said none of the interceptions that he threw today were his fault. They were all the receivers' faults. Uh, okay. I don't care. Like, you can sell me whatever you want about Jameis Winston and why it wasn't actually his fault. It doesn't matter. It was a funny-looking interception, and I laughed at it, and I don't feel bad about it. Also, when you're relying on Rashad Perryman. Yeah, (laughs) right? Well, no it was the receiver's fault. You threw it to the worst one you have. You have two really good ones, and then that's it. Like, Scotty Miller, Rashad Perryman, and what other goofballs? Do they still have Bobo Wilson on this team or whatever? (laughs) No. But it is interesting that Ryan Tannehill, I'm going to tell you something. Jameis Winston, I'm going to tell you what, Jameis Winston (laughs) had two interceptions and Ryan Tannehill threw a clean game. Yeah. Didn't turn over the ball. Three touchdowns, under 200 passing yards. But three touchdowns we are going to take. None of them, by the way, were to Corey Davis because why, Matt? He's just a guy. Because when someone shows you who they are, oh, believe believe them them the the first first time. time. I've heard that one before. Mm -hmm. And AJ Brown did catch a touchdown because when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Thank you. AJ Brown is a better football player. One of us has a mastery on the other's phrases. (laughs) Well, one of us doesn't speak in double negatives all the time. Hey, ain't nobody used to have a bad back. Ain't nobody used to have a bad back. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. Well, and. This this goes to my you you brought this up earlier that everybody wanted to jump back on the Corey Davis train here because he clearly got an upgrade at quarterback which like look Ryan Tannehill 
no one should look at you with a straight face. And at any point, if someone does this, you know not to take them seriously. But no one at any point should look at you with a straight face and say, like, I think the Titans might have a solution to their quarterback problem here. No, 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 they don't. But Ryan Tannehill is like an upgrade on Marcus Mariota. Tannehill's not like a total dust ball. He can move the offense. He's had moments, but he's not a solution, right? But he is a clear upgrade from from Marcus Mariota. But this is a situation of both things can be true because people think that, oh, Corey Davis has just been held back by Marcus Mariota. Well, he has been held back by Marcus Mariota, but he's still not a stud worth like having been worth taking at the fifth overall pick. He's been an average receiver so far. So average receivers with a pretty decent but not great quarterback in Ryan Tannehill can still have days like this in good matchups. I am very interested in the next two games for the Titans because I think they're going to be big character tells for these for this offense um, in two different ways. At Carolina in Week 9 versus Kansas City in Week 10. Now we're expecting Patrick Mahomes to be back in Week 10 versus Kansas City. Yes, mm-hmm. that is true. One week, ahead, one game ahead of the bye. You're the, you're the injury timeline specialist. So you I believe me. that's what I read. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If Patrick Mahomes is back in that game, I want to know if Tannehill can keep pace because you that's going to be a tell. And if he's going to utilize receivers well enough to do that. Also, the pass rush in Kansas City has some giant holes, and that's not going to get better by week 10. Frank so, Clark hurt. And Chris Jones still out. At Carolina, though, you I mean, you're the Carolina specialist. Hey, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And the Carolina Panthers have shown me who they are enough that I knew I knew what was going to happen. Much better against the pass than they are versus the run. Tevin Coleman lit up this run defense. So when I'm looking at this matchup, though, it's going to be a Derrick Henry game, but I'm still interested to see what they will do to Ryan Tannehill in the passing game and if it will freak him out, if he's going to hold on to the ball forever and then just all of a sudden like, bloop. Yeah. No, I think that is a, that's a good point. Like he's definitely not the, um, not the quickest, like, improviser you know Tannehill's not an he's neither is Mariota but Mariota's barely good on schedule at least I think Tannehill can be good on schedule but he's not good when you throw him off uh that first look and that's certainly going to happen against Carolina because even look in uh, the middle of a huge disgusting embarrassing loss for Carolina in here in week eight Bruce Irvin was making plays out there you know Carolina is one of those teams that can throw Bruce Irvin Gerald McCoy you know Mario Addison Brian, Brian Burns, Burns all Christian Miller one another one of their rookies he's been giving them some splash plays every now and again so like they're one of those teams you can throw waves and waves of pressure at you and that could be problematic for Tannehill so we will see what he does uh my apologies to one Johnny Smith who did play in relief of Delaney Walker I did not hashtag believe I was proven wrong he converted Six of seven for 78 and a touch. Fantastic. <laughs> you scored against the Bucks. Applause. Also worth noting um, that A.J. Brown did not see the volume, but was able to convert and find the end zone because, again, I just want to, he's a better player. And he's a more versatile player than Corey Davis. So I, not, I don't want to hear any more Corey Davis takes. Boom. Corey Davis, you're, you're finished. Two for nine. Oof. Oof. Right? <laughs> You're bet- talk about banged in a big spot. That's what just happened if you played Corey Davis here in uh, week eight, which it's fine. The logic of the play was fine. You know, the process. The process was right. The process doesn't win you fantasy matchups, but the process was right. 
Danny Dimes doesn't normally win you fantasy matchups, but Matt, this was a streamer that you tapped last week and he was relevant again for the first time since week three when he played Tampa Bay. So look at that segue. Oh my goodness. Against the Lions today. He is this week's QB1 in fantasy football. You were making the point like he started off this game really, really rough, but hits a couple big plays to Darius Slayton, your guy, uh, your boy, Darius Slayton. Uh, he was my guy in fantasy damage in FFL. You are, I don't like to have boys. You are the only Darius Slayton truther I know, Liz. It's, it's unbelievable. It was a match. It was a process play. <laughs> the process. It was, everybody was on Golden Tate, but forgetting about Justin Coleman. There was no Darius Slay in this one. It was a match of play. And also, that's the reason we're bringing this up, because I don't really care about Danny Dimes. He's going to go. Ba- he's going to come back down to earth. The interesting thing for me is finding a defense that I can, and this is what you did last week, that I can exploit Darius Slay was not in on in this game. He's on the trading block. I wouldn't be surprised if he's moved ahead of the 20 of the trade deadline, which is October 29th. So now does the Lions. Why are you laughing? Because it's so stupid if they trade him like because he chirped about because he chirped and also like, listen, you can't listen. You can't hear a damn uh, Detroit Lions game being broadcast, especially in any primetime sort of events without the, someone mentioning that they play man coverage more than uh, any team in the NFL. Well, you know who else does that? The Patriots. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Um, and if they play if they play that much man coverage, probably not a good idea to, to deal away your best cornerback. But what do I know? But it I'm works just, out for us fantasy heads. I'm just some chucklehead uh, here at home. Well, right now I'm in our podcast studio, but, you know. The Lions have the Raiders next week. So, Matt, does this make Derek Carr an interesting stream in Week 9? Yeah, it does. I mean, look, we got Tyrell Williams back. Tyrell Williams made a big play today against the Texans defense. Darren Waller still cooking. No Quandre Diggs, as we said, so. Nope. And, uh, hey, even Hunter Renfro got rolling for the Raiders this week, uh, averaging eight yards a catch. And then he goes and drops 65 on the Texans, so. Why are you leaving out Zay Jones? Zay Jones did things. He did do things. I I heard he picked up the playbook incredibly quickly. Yeah, and and then was inactive (laughs) right away. (laughs) No, but you're right. This Lions defense, like, RIP September 2019 when we thought the Lions might be a fun team to watch. They have no depth, which is crazy that they're dealing away all these players in the secondary, but. Injuries have hit their defensive line. Trey Flowers is not playing all that well. I mean, he's not playing up to the contract that they gave him. Their biggest difference maker on defense is Darius Slay, and he's either been injured or on the trade block. This is what's going to happen. So I think Carr can walk into this game. This is the first Raiders home game in, I mean, in like 100 years. They haven't haven't played in Oakland in quite some time. Oh, they have been on that crazy road stretch. You're totally right. For what it's worth, Derek Carr is only owned in 26% of leagues. So if you are looking for a stream, especially with all of the teams on by next week. Falcons, Saints, Rams, Dalton, Bengals. Bengals. <laughs> um, then, then there you go. <laughs> I don't know why I just reduced the entire Bengals franchise <laughs> to just Andy. Well, has, hasn't the last decade felt like it's just been reduced to the fact like, well, we could be anything, but we have Andy Dalton, so we're nothing. Do you agree with me that Danny Dimes is not likely to be the QB1 next week, even against Dallas? I really love when you stick your neck out there for a bold take like that. But yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree that he's probably not going to be the QB1 next week. <laughs> well, I just don't want people to—I mean, Matt, we have you coming off a big week, and I'm just trying to surface all of the people. And they've Service been serviced. Them I shall. They have been serviced. <laughs> 
My apologies about Ty Johnson, too. All of our, the Yahoo Fantasy Collective apologizes for the Ty Johnson. Oh, I don't apologize. Okay. Here's here's the deal. I don't I don't apologize for this because look, it's it was a bet worth making because sure. like I said, you take the stab and pick up a player that you think could be a potential potential fantasy starter. But this is not Alexander Madison, right? This you is like you have it bad for him. I'm going to drink every time you say his name now. Well, I just think he's a clear example. Sure. It, it's not Tony Pollard. Like if if Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard is the guy. If Alvin Kamara goes down, Latavius Murray is the guy. Other situations I'm sure exist like that around the league. They're just not popping. If if Todd Gurley goes down, Daryl Henderson's the guy. But we don't like there were indicators last week that Ty Johnson might be that guy. You got 10 carries, four <laughs> catches. Great. But like it's Ty Johnson. You know, he's a six-round pick. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that says this is the guy now. We're gonna just ride and die with him. It was a bet worth taking, but you shouldn't have thought, like, I've locked in this fantasy game changer here with Ty Johnson. You do have a hot take about the yes. the Lions backfield, which I would love for you to share with everyone. Well, and share it I shall, because here's the here's the deal. Nothing in this game like dissuaded the Lions from thinking we have, you know, we've got we've got Our some guy. problems in the backfield. Yeah, we, we we don't have a guy, clearly, but they want to be a run first team. Um, and Kenyon Drake is on the trade block. The Lions have been reported to be interested in running back depth. They've been reported to be interested in Kenyon Drake. I think Kenyon Drake is a Detroit Lion by the time we are podcasting in this room next week. Yeah, next week. Next week. Well, you said well, next. next. There was, uh, next. Like next period. week podcast okay. in this room, which I assume is Let Thursday. Interesting. There are some rumors that it is Melvin Gordon who will end up in Detroit, but I think the Kenyon Drake take is interesting as well. Like Kenyon Drake would seem to be a guy that could could be a, a bit of a factor in the future for them. Gordon would clearly just be a rental, right? I'm not sure of all of the money. Obviously, Drake is going to be cheaper. Drake is cheaper. Gordon wants a new deal. I mean, I it's it just it seems like I don't the Lions are confusing to me. I don't want to turn this into the Lions podcast, but they're Lions tonight. Lions Detroit tonight. Tonight. Lions latest. Uh, that sucked. Uh, anyways, I think if you look at Melvin Gordon, he's like a he's he's wants a new deal, right? He would just be purely a rental because Carryon Johnson is their guy long term. Yep. Why are you going to go out and rent a running back in the middle of the year when you're selling off your defensive players like you're trying to not contend? That's true. It doesn't make like I mean, shoot, we see teams do this all the time. Lack of clarity between their moves, but that would be a pretty glaring example. Matt Schaub. You're, you have had a lot of hot takes today. Let me just say that. You have had quite a few hot takes in the green room. I'm feeling it. Great. Share the next one about Matt Schaub and Matt Ryan being the same person in a system. I mean, that was kind of I don't know, that was kind of a joke. Matt Ryan's not a don't system. Don't walk it back like Jarvis Landry now. <laughs> like I said, Matt Ryan's a system quarterback, but that was obviously a joke. But I mean, this was this was a Matt Ryan performance for Matt Schaub. Matt on Matt on Matt crime here. Matt Schaub, they are never competitive in this game. Nothing going on. But he has 460 yards. and Like, of course, he has just one touchdown, one interception. We've seen Matt Ryan drop a couple of games like that in this week, in this season, too. So this wasn't, I mean, nothing really changed for the Falcons offense, except uh, it took, like, Matt Schaub 52 attempts uh, as opposed to like maybe it would take Ryan 41 attempts to get 460 yards. So that's nice to see. It but. was nice to see Julio Jones also come up in a big spot. Russell Gage is a thing, man. Yeah. I'm just saying it to troll you. 
I'm just watching you like try not to roll your eyes. You can't even look at me. He won't even look at me. I'm just doing it to get him now. You know that there's going to be a world in which people are like, oh, wow, Russell Gage is the new slot receiver. Now that Mohamed Sanu has been traded to the Patriots for the Atlanta Falcons, what do you think about that? I don't think much of it because (laughs) Calvin Ridley also has versatility and can be uh, worked into the slot or also play on the outside. And so I'm still going to believe, even though he only converted four of seven, I still believe that that is the the player I'd rather have than throwing a dart at like another wide receiver for even with all these teams on by like there's a million you know wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 45s that you're going to find every week and they're just Hail Mary plays at a certain point if you've made it through the bye week gauntlet there's obviously still some to happen but we just really don't be we just really don't be needing to have these players in our lives at, at this point these Russell Gage types give me a break you know we talked about Mohamed Sanu being traded to the Patriots. The other big trade was that Emmanuel Sanders, which we talked in depth about on Friday's show, was traded to the San Francisco 49ers. He goes out there and scores a touchdown right away. That was your bold prediction. Take another victory. I mean, this is like basically Matt Harmon's episode. An ode to Matt Harmon. Sorry, Emily, I tried to make it about you. There's no way she's going to listen to this podcast, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate, but... I don't I'm not comfortable with calling it the Matt Harmon episode, but we were Liz, we were both on the fact that it would be a quick transition for the great receiver that is Emmanuel Sanders because he came from Rich Scangarello, who his offense is come from Kyle Shanahan, so same coaching tree, likely able to pick up the verbiage and the system quickly. And sure enough, you know, that's what happened. Now, <clears throat> I noted on our halftime show he was sitting on Five targets, four catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown, which was second on the team in terms of catches and targets. He finished with five targets, four catches, 25 yards, and a touchdown. So it all came pretty quickly, which, again, I think is a pretty solid sign considering they blew the hell out of uh, Carolina anyway. So Sanders looks like he's someone that you're probably going to want to be playing every single I like week. his matchup again on Thursday night against the Cardinals, too. It's, it's, like the Panthers have gotten stung by some pass catchers. DJ Chark was one. Chris Godwin's got him twice. But... We know the Cardinals are a much worse defense than uh, the Carolina Panthers. And so it would make sense then that Emmanuel Sanders could produce against a lesser defense such as the Arizona Cardinals. Fantastic. Speaking of the Panthers, Kyle Allen. Tough scene. Mm -hmm. Did we not expect this, though, out of the San Francisco 49ers defense? It depends. If you subscribe to the foolproof philosophy of the hot hand, uh, you would never have expected Kyle Allen to just his pants because the hot hand never fails, right? But when the hot hand is dealt an incredibly staunch defense, then yeah, and the hot hand's got to get cold at some point. Yes. <laughs> and it got iced by San Francisco. Seven damn sacks, three turnovers. This is a player who was benched in college because he turned the ball over too many times. It does not surprise me that the 49ers were able to get into his head. Also, like the fact that there were just so many graphics of like, these are the quarterbacks who've gone this many pass attempts or this many starts without throwing an interception. It's like, yeah, the guy fumbles the ball all the time too Why? what's the point of just highlighting the interceptions Christian McCaffrey still went for over 100 yards but I did going into this game appreciate this matchup because it seemed like one in which the Carolina Panthers weren't going to be able to just feed CMC the whole time and that no. be enough no yeah I think this was this was kind of just the regression inevitably coming for Kyle Allen and the only reason I bring up the hot hand thing is I wrote a column about this. Uh, this is the 42nd time I mentioned it today, by the way. 43rd. 
43rd, excuse me, my bad. Uh, and I wrote a column about this, about why there is no quarterback debate in Carolina when Cam Newton's healthy to return. They, he has to be the starter. There should not be a question asked, period. And one of the responses was, uh, well, you can't bench the hot hand. I'm like, what does that even mean? Like the hot hand is this. It's not a thing. It's also not a running back. It's a different position. Like I understand it a little bit more in a running back because it's a position of rhythm. That's that is very true. Like every running back will tell you that it's a position of rhythm. But with quarterbacks, it's like, yeah, I mean, again, what are you going to do? You can't bench the hot hand. What if the hot hand is Teddy Bridgewater? Well, I was going to say, yeah. ask Sean Payton about that. Yeah. Right. You bench you bench him for, for <laughs> the, the guy. better player. Yeah, the better player. And obviously, Drew Brees is more statistically efficient and probably the better player than than Cam Newton at this point in their respective careers. But Cam Newton's still better than Kyle Allen if he's healthy. Period. So he's he. I don't know when Cam will be back. Some people say it's next week. Some people say it could be three to four weeks from now. No, I don't think anyone really knows. But when he's ready to go, when he's 100%, he's the starter. And like Kyle Allen, it's a great story. You like he deserves all the credit in the world for this streak. But this game was maybe not a nightmare like this, uh, but it was always in the range of outcomes for him to the play range of like, possible outcomes. to play like a backup quarterback and that's what we saw uh today i'm only going to ask you this because you are so intimately connected with the carolina panthers you know our own dan wetzel wrote a column about carolina yeah. being traded potentially to chicago because as we talked about earlier mitch trubisky ain't it mm-hmm. you just your eyes are rolling now as mm-hmm. i mention it so go ahead, take a minute. Like I, I, I'm, I cannot answer objectively because as a Bears fan, I would like to see it happen. As a Carolina Panther, like we, my relationship with the Bears is very similar to your relationship with the Carolina it's Panthers. It's complicated, right? It yeah. is complicated. You'll always be my first. Eh, I don't know if you are anymore. So, and it's certainly tougher when the team is losing to like stay loyal. So. Don't at me about that stuff, by the way, guys. Like, it's it's just football. Um, yeah, but, shut up if that's the case. <laughs> but you cannot see Carolina moving Cam Newton. I don't think they could ever possibly do something that stupid. And here's why you don't do it, because it's, it's this situation which we saw today, right? Like, it's the meltdown performance from Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen's not going to give you something that you think you all of a sudden have a franchise solution. And they would have to view him as a franchise solution in order to just trade Cam Newton away. Because also, what's been so frustrating to me, what, I'll bring this piece up the 44th time, what, why, I had to, why I pitched this piece and why I wanted to write it was because it's been so frustrating to watch over the last month people lose their damn minds about comparing the last like the last four games of Kyle Allen or all the games with Kyle Allen compared to the last eight with Cam Newton. Why the hell do we start this this split at eight games? Oh, could it be because it just leaves off the eight games previous to that, which were the which was the great start Cam Newton had the most efficient start of his career to start off 2018 when he was healthy and he was playing in the offense with Liz take the drink. The best collection of skill position players ever assembled in the Ron that Rivera the point, era. And that is the point that I wish you would lead with every time is that for how many years now has Carolina tried to make 
this offense fit what they perceived to be Cam Newton's skill set at the time. First, it was skyscrapers. Then it was like, oh, no, these guys are too slow. We got to give this guy some speed. And now it seems that there is the perfect tweaking of elements to make Cam Newton the best, to get him to the next level, to get him to the ship where he already took the team a couple of years ago. That is the piece of it that I wish more people would talk about. I don't know why you don't. It's not about Kyle Allen. It's It's always been about Cam Newton. Yeah, exactly. Kyle Allen's showing you in this stretch of games that they got it right. They finally have yes. this offense right. And Cam Newton showed you that last year. And the fact that people just don't even mention that point and say, like, Cam Newton hasn't evolved his game. If he can't run, then he can't be the solution at quarterback. And, and he can't run and not get hurt. Bullshit. Like, you're just completely writing your own narrative and missing what's verifiable facts if you look at the damn numbers of what happened you're last year. You're also missing the front office's um, commitment to a quarterback to adjust the offense in order to fit yes. his skill set. And we are and right now dealing with Lamar Jackson. Where everybody's talking him up because he is not your prototypical quarterback. And yet, Baltimore is able to do new things and everyone's wowed by the kid. If all of a sudden, his skill set—by the way, Lamar Jackson— is not going to be the same guy in a couple of years, nope. right? So that means his pieces are going to have to change. We see Tom Brady's pieces change. Like, that is what teams coaching adjust. staff... Yes, teams adjust. They stay multiple, etc. And the commitment that they've made to Cam Newton over the years for that, in evidenced, uh, evidenced by the pieces they're adding to me is why they will not move him. But maybe they do know something medically that we don't know, and oh, yeah. that won't be That's fully disclosed. Yeah. And perhaps that is why, like, the Bears will get a, you know not the Cam Newton that we are thinking we could get. To not to act like those those eight games, the first eight games of 2018 didn't happen is disingenuous at best and dishonest at worst. Fair enough. We will move on and I want to talk about the Houston Texans because I just saw the news that JJ Watt is done for the year. Woof. Woof. Next week the Texans, who already have problems in the secondary. We talked at nauseum about them. You're watching Oakland. I mean, Derek Carr threw for almost 300 yards and three touchdowns against this Texan secondary. Next week, it's Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, my goodness. Minshew is in a smash spot, especially if J.J. Watt isn't on that squad. Yeah, I love it. And Minshew had been kind of a floor play for a couple of weeks. Comes out and has a real good game against the Jets. Um, he's another one that, like, I guess you could say it's riding the hot hand. But I, I wonder how the the Jags would really would really go back to Nick Foles after what he's given us. Also, Gardner Minshew, when you're talking about the floor play over the past two, I mean, he's on New Orleans, right? And yep. that was that's a really good defense. They have gotten better Very over good. the weeks, right? He had a groin injury. Like yep. he wasn't playing healthy. The Cincinnati game, he didn't need to pass a lot because everyone's running all over yep. the damn Bengals. Yep. The Jets. He he threw, like I said, three touchdowns. D.D. Westbrook left this game with a shoulder-neck issue. That's their slot guy. I don't imagine he's going to play next week. That opens things up for Chris Connolly, who did have some splash plays this week. And we know that D.J. Chark is producing every week. I like him against Houston. Then in Week 10, the Jags go on by, so that is when the decision comes out. And I think you're right, though— do you don't go back to Nick Foles because also it's different because the Jags didn't make a commitment to Nick Foles over a, a couple of years over and over and over and right? over again. This was a like, hey, you got hurt in game one of the damn season, and we you were a backup elsewhere. Yeah, like you were in you. They paid him, which still is crazy now that they paid him, quote unquote, to have like credibility within the locker room. Remember that was the report when they gave sure, him all and that he money. Probably, I and mean, he probably is doing all of that hurt. Yeah, for sure, and I think. 
if if you had to do if that's why you paid him, then you don't really believe that he's a franchise quarterback. And like they had to do something at quarterback, and Nick Foles is the best available option. Like, and also like don't at me about there's no comparison between Nick Foles and Cam Newton. Like, shut up. I know Foles has a Super Bowl ring, but he's not the player that Cam Newton is, and he never has been, and he never will be. Like Foles has had his moments in the NFL, but he's not Cam Newton. It's a fascinating study. It it, it is. I also think that Gardner Minshew has has really shown like he has some potentially elevating traits, right? Like the way that he is calm in the eye of the storm. Fearless to quote DJ Tark. Yeah, then he that is uh, the type of thing that can really define a team. And I think he has given the Jaguars more of an identity on offense than I think Foles would be doing for them. Also, it's interesting about, I just want to go back to the hot hand thing now that we're talking about Nick Foles, because if teams stuck with the hot hand, then Carson Wentz is... wouldn't be the damn QB1 that, by the way, none of the receivers want as part of the team. Yeah. So if you're going with the hot hand, then I don't know, maybe Philadelphia should have stuck with Nick Foles, and they didn't do that because that's not how franchises work. It is not. Um, Gardner Minshew, QB1, week nine. Boom. We've already got a bold prediction. Ship it. (laughs) Anything else before we're out? Nah. We've said it all. You sure? I think so. Okay. Well, we are, no, Matt and somebody else will be back on Friday. I will not be on that show, but you should definitely still listen. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Lohner underscore M-M, and that's at Matt Harmon might be my last. It might be my. It might be my last podcast. I'm jumping out of a freaking plane on Friday. I might be dead, and you're gonna. You're not even gonna join me. You're for doing, my last. You're jumping podcast? out of a plane on Friday. Yeah. Oh, then you're good to co-host oh, the no, show on I know, Thursday. But I no show. Sure, no, I get. Friday, I get Matt. that. No, I know it posts Thursday night. By the way, but I'm saying I might die on Friday, and you're not even gonna be here for my last show. Yeah. Oh, you hate to see it, guys. Happy Halloween, guys. Man, now I really hope Cam Newton gets traded. <laughs> spooky, spooky stuff. Oh, then they'll, I'll just jump out of the plane and don't even bother with the shoot. Yay, we out! <laughs>